episode of Turkish TV time. Today we're going to be talking about season four, episode three, where I thought it was really short and Sophia thought it was really long and Ezgi just thought that Hakan did dumb things in classic Hakan fashion. So <laughs> we have a lot to talk about, I guess. I am not drinking anything in grand Turkish TV time tradition. What about you guys? <laughs> Upholding traditions like you. Yeah. As I, as I mentioned before, I was eating an apple crumble that I made, but that's gone as well. So, yeah. You may need to hydrate soon, Sophia. Maybe maybe you'll get up for a glass of water during the episode. I am actually thirsty, but I will wait <laughs> until the end of the episode. <laughs> this is serious work. We have no time for drinking water. <laughs> All right. So now Sophia is going to take us through what happened in this very short episode. Short, sure. In classic uh, protector fashion, there were so many flashbacks and like flash forwards that I might do it in chronological order this time around, but like it might get a, a bit confusing. So the episode starts with um, this woman like dead on the ground and I have to be honest I thought it was like an old woman and then they said it was the sultan's like concubine or like a part of his or I don't even remember what they call like the main wife um anyway but that's the person they killed in any case even though she looked like an old lady to me (laughs) so basically um this matron woman and this guy I assume the matron woman like she would have to be the sultan's mother I guess or whomever like the I guess we'll talk about this in the history section anyway but like it it probably like if it's historically accurate would be the sultan's mother or some sort of similar figure so basically like she and the guard have to decide like oh who are we going to send next like this woman was like such an intellectual she read texts in languages we do not understand and so that of course um there's like this crowd of like literally teenage girls the crowd opens up and there's Javdan in the back saying that she knows it's the Iliad but by Homer so of course she gets chosen for this important role and of course she has an intention because she has a very specific smirk at the end of the scene so we know that she has a very clear intention so we we go back to the president and Hakan is talking with the loyal ones about how he needs to prove to Vizier that the other immortals were plotting against her so he decides to take Sammy and go look for the Oracle. Um, and there they bump into Aileen. And of course, Aileen is a terrible, evil soldier or whatever. So they obviously capture her. And as they're going to get the Oracle, Faisal and Zainab walk in. So they're able to capture Zainab as well. Faisal, I guess, like runs away. Um, and the Oracle says like, sorry, can't help you. Bye, figure this out on your own. <laughs> and runs away. So um, she wasn't much help. And so basically they are able to capture Zainab and Aileen and Hakan in classic Hakan fashion. And I, I think this is something we haven't discussed enough, but he's like, he thinks he's like everyone's confidant and like really understands people so he can talk stuff out with anyone, basically, according to himself. So he's, he decides that he needs to go and talk to Zainab and try to kind of like reverse psychology slash like mani- like emotionally manipulate her or something. I, I don't even know what to call that, but 
basically he decides that he's the one to do that and so the other loyal ones are kind of having a discussion while he's away and Zainab does the Zainab and calls Hakan out on everything says he's like a terrible fighter he caused her father to die she like doesn't even know why she was loyal to him because he was a terrible like leader to follow Um, all these things that I think we've discussed at length on this podcast previously and so like he's like oh I'll be your support system like you were my only support system in the world and all these sorts of things like trying to emotionally move her to a place where she she can support well where she can see that like she needs to turn good again which obviously is not going to happen and so she kind of laughs at him she's like she says she's loyal to herself so he doesn't need to worry about her and he's like oh your dad like he like what would your dad say if he saw you and she's like well I mean like you made my dad die so that's why he's not here so I don't even worry about that and so well they have this whole discussion and then on in the other room is Eileen and she's like crying and like really upset and like the other loyal ones are like oh my god poor little Eileen like poor thing like don't worry we're not gonna kill you because she's like oh you're gonna kill me with your dagger and like all this sorts of stuff but I thought the dagger was lost, so I don't know. That's a question for the next section, I guess. And so, like, he taunts Zainab to hurt. Well, we go back to Hakan and Zainab, and and he, and he taunts Zainab to hurt him. And, well, of course, like, Zainab pretends that she's not going to hurt him and that she really cares about him, and they kind of have, like, sort of a going-back conversation, um, like how it used to be, and Hakan's, like, I don't know like it seems like he's kind of convinced that he that she's like changed or like that she's has like some semblance of her old self but of course she doesn't and Hakan comes out of the room and he's like oh she's faking it which I don't know what gave it oh he says what gave it away was that when he mentioned Burak she like didn't even flinch and like that was a big trigger for Zainab for like getting upset so he's like yeah she's definitely lying and so he's like you can't go in there's like no matter what happens, you definitely cannot go in. And then, like, in, in between those scenes, there was a scene where Faisal and Nissan are talking. And Faisal says, like, you know, the Oracle told us that Hakan can travel back in time when we went to find him. And Nissan says, like, yeah, I know, he travels back in time with the key. So there we get the answer to our discussion from last episode. And Faisal's like, wait, are you meeting up with him in the past? And she, like, brushes out the question. So... That also kind of speaks to our whole time travel logic thing, because that means in some way that Nissan is experiencing what Valeria is experiencing in the past. Like she has some sort of consciousness or like is living it at the same time that she's living the present. I don't know, questions. But anyway, so basically, well, Faisal gets kind of upset at Nissan and he's like, well, I want the key to go see Ruya. And he kind of make like threatens her and says like every leader is replaceable. And I think, I mean, I'm making a conjecture, but I assume that kind of triggers like, or makes her go back to what Hakan had said that these other people were like other immortals were plotting to take her out since a long time ago, as we know. And she also says that the key lets them travel to other dimensions, which we don't know what that means. And after this whole, like, after all of his conversations with Zainab, Hakan decides to go back in time again to continue his mission of um, telling Valeria slash Nissan that everyone's plotting against her. So he goes to 1459 and 
what we see Javadan going to see Faisal, Javadan slash Ruya, um, and to tell to tell him and Hakim that she's now like the main concubine and she's going to spend the night with the Sultan. So they're all really happy about that because that means that she can kill the Sultan. And so basically they, the three of them want to overthrow the Sultan and overthrow Vizier as well. So clearly they had, there's like some sort of power grab led by Faisal and Hakim and uh, Hakan decides he needs to go meet Hakim because he kind of wants to figure out what his, what the plot is and, they know that something weird is going on with him. So he like, I guess, cuts his arm. So Valeria takes him to Hakim. And of course, right at the same time, Ruya comes to pick up the poison. And of course, she takes off her little veil right as Hakan is looking in her direction. Because of course, timing is everything in this show. Well, then like she leaves and everything. And, and she thinks, I guess, that Hakan hadn't seen her. And so Hakan like pretends to pass out and he grabs a little paper that Hakim like was going to give Ruya for like instructions for the poison. And so, well, they have this paper, they have no clue what it says because there's these weird symbols that aren't like any language that we know. So then Hakan and I think Azim is his name, the like his friend from the past are trying to decipher this paper and they have no clue. And then like, they hear like some screaming and it turns out like she didn't fell and scraped her knee and this old woman who we don't know who she is 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 there like wiping her wound so i don't know like we don't know what happened there and then like the, uh, azim and hakan are still trying to understand what the paper says and Shiden is just like skipping around the table like singing about poisonous kisses or poison kisses or whatever and they're like, what are you singing about? Like, stop singing. Please stop being so annoying. <laughs> As Sammy says that precocious children are. You agree with um, me now. <laughs> but yeah, I could, I could see myself getting stressed. <laughs> Just in that situation. So turns out that she can read the paper because it's some weird symbol language that uh, Valeria taught her like as a secret. And so... She tells them what it says, and it says something like about rubbing like the poison all over the like her body, so the kisses are poisonous kisses or something like that. And so, like after some discussion, Azim and Hakan realize that they're gonna kill the Sultan with with poisonous kisses. So, of course, now they have to figure out how to save the Sultan from being killed. So, of course, Azim says he knows a guy, which I feel like he says every episode. <laughs> and we see uh, Javidan walking, Javidan slash Ruya. I'm sorry, I'm using her name interchangeably. Like, we see her, like, walking down the hall, super made up to go meet the Sultan. And then we see Faisal being Faisal and being like, oh, my God. Like, kind of worried, because I forgot to mention, but when Javidan leaves... Um, him and Hakim or maybe it's after in the episode but they have a whole discussion about you know Vizier and her lover um, which because like they know that she's in love with the protector and Hakim kind of taunts Faisal like by saying that Ruya maybe she's in love with an immortal slash he knows like they have a like him Faisal and Ruya have a relationship so he knows that Faisal is kind of uncomfortable uh regarding like her having sex with the sultan 
as well as she's uncomfortable having sex with the sultan. And so Hakim's like, yeah, like obviously there's something going on there. But like Faisal tries to brush it off and says, you know, only humans care about that. Like obviously she doesn't care about that. Like it's not like it's our duty, whatever. But we know that, of course, both of them are kind of upset that Javadan has to sleep with the sultan. So we we flash back first or forward for a second. And while Hakan is like in the past, of course, our very smart, loyal ones decide that they want to put Aylin and Zainab in the same room together because they, they believe that Aylin is like genuinely scared and worried. So they decide like putting her with Zainab might like help Zainab reconsider her life or whatever. Turns out Aylin was pretending as well. And Zainab, for some reason, still decides to kill her. And she locks the loyal ones in the, like, really hard to get out of room while she escapes. And so in the meantime, in the past, uh, Hakan managed to kind of pass for a Janissary, which, like, they're the... I'm not sure if this is historically accurate, but in that scene, they're the, like, guard, the personal guard of the sultan which I don't remember if that's exactly right, but we can discuss that later. And he's like, yeah, those are those are immortals. Like, they're trying to kill you. He said, like, the sultan and... So, sorry, I kind of went out of order. So Javadan's, like, putting all this poison in, and then the, the sultan comes into her room, and they're, like, having kind of, like, a lead-up romantic conversation, and then they hear an explosion. So they look out the window, and it turns out the navy, like, the navy building is on fire. So the sultan obviously has to go. That's when he sees Hakan dressed up as a Janissary. And Hakan starts like yelling like crazy. Like they're going to kill you. Like they're immortals. Like all these things. And the sultan's like, oh my God, this guy's crazy. (laughs) And then one of the Janissaries is like, yeah, this is the guy who was like asking the, like the vizier for an audience and wanting to talk to you and stuff. He's probably the vizier killer. So obviously they have to run and catch him. And he is able to, like, run to Azim, to, like, his house. And he's trying to go back to the present in order to kind of escape the situation, which, again, poses another question for our time travel um, stories. But the time travel is not working. So at that point, we kind of assume that maybe something happened with the key. And um, it pans to the present. And Zainab, um, actually, like, we see her walking away with the key. And um, Hakan gets captured by the Janissaries and told he's going to be executed the next day. And that's when the episode ends. Yeah, so that seems like a real pickle. going to move on into our gossip banter spilling the non-existent tea section we have a lot to talk about first we it like opens with the dead concubine and all i could think is that the it literally i thought it was like a dead mozart yeah (laughs) with the like um, pantaloons and like the it was crazy (laughs) (laughs) yeah also i i just thought it was kind of jarring that they chose to make all the like all the wives super young yeah like almost like literally 13 or 14 years old and then javadan like clearly looks 
much older than them. Yeah, like she's a very beautiful woman, but you put her in a room with a bunch of teenagers and she does not look like a teenager. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a funny choice. Yeah, it's unfortunate for her. But I think I, I think that show thinks that we think that she's like less than 30 years old when yeah. she does not look she's that like young. Four- she's like 39 or 40 i think in real life the actress yeah yeah that's the age that she looks like and it's like yeah that's fine stuff i just think it's weird when they like try to like why would they choose such young women like mehmet the sultan in the show would be what like 20 something and he looks like 35 yeah he looked like 40 (laughs) and he was dead by the time he was so it's fun i guess it's funny (laughs) <laughs> i also wanted to point out that the i think i have this right that the language that the book was written in was greek but it was translated in the subtitles as like roman oh really oh yeah you know that that's be that's because the i don't know if, i don't know if i've said this on this podcast before so apologies if i'm repeating myself but uh the word for greek room like Greek people, like we would call, well, we, would, we could call them Yunanla or Rum, but Rum is the more common vernacular. It comes from Rome. Anything to the west of, uh, well, including Constantinople, I guess, but anything to the west was considered Roman. So even the Greek peninsula was called Rome. So I'm wondering maybe if the translator just equated the word to, you know, the word for Greek into but i mean ancient ancient greek would still be like have a different like phrasing than just like rumja which is like modern day greek anyway it's a weird error but good good catch yeah i I just thought it was interesting because like we all call it byzantium but like i think they were calling it rome yeah i mean they uh if you learn about turkey and like what they call places by the way, as Sophia is talking, <laughs> all we see is her cat's butt and its tail. <laughs> I'm clear for Sophia or the cat talking. Just to give point. you some context. No, I was just going to say that like in Turkey and if you read like about, um, you know, history and stuff, there's a lot of references to like room as like, well, in general, as, as a, anything like kind of Western, like even where we lived in, in Istanbul, Rumeli Hisar, like it was like the Roman yeah. or like the Greek fortress or whatever. And like, I think Rumi's name also came from from that, right? Like from him being. Yeah. Like, it, was, it wasn't his given yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like a nickname. Yeah. Some, just some Turkish, I guess, sem, what is it called? Semiology? Semi, I don't know. Semiotics? Maybe. Yeah. So. What did you guys think about the Oracle just like brushing off everything and being like, peace out, y'all? I mean, what? she's a very liberated woman. She's <laughs> like, I know everything. That was awesome. I D G A S. Like, I love that. <laughs> Oracle outreach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> that was great. And um, I mean, this is one of my what the fuck, so I don't really want to give it away, but like, when the oracle that you know knows everything tells you, hey, buddy, this isn't going to work. You really shouldn't ignore her. Like, I know you like to ignore women, Hakan, but. Yeah, like, this is that. <laughs> this is absolutely how it is. Yeah. Oh, man. 
the Oracle is just really not uh, utilized well or properly on this show. I mean, you have this all-knowing uh, woman that you have access to, like pretty much whenever you like go up to her house and they just like only use her in certain moments then they chose choose to get pissed off when she doesn't say what they want to hear and then like they don't act on any of the insights she gives it's like why why does this character exist only to underline Hakan's idiocy and also I guess the stubbornness of the immortals because they also were just like now and then they kidnapped <laughs> her <laughs> <laughs> well also like they literally moved into her house. They owe her a lot. They didn't notice that she had been captured and being tortured for like a weeks on end. No. That's yeah, not cool. That's not friendship. Yeah. No wonder she was like, peace yeah. out. Totally. I don't know. Th- this episode was just kind of a clusterfuck, I feel like. Um, you think that about every episode, Sophia? That's <laughs> not last episode. Yeah. It's been like that for a while. But so, like, what would have happened if Hakan had gone back to the present when he was about to get captured? Like, would he, like, would he just disappear completely? Like, all of these time travel things are, like, making less and less sense each episode. um, Because there's, like, new plot holes each time. And I guess I kind of pointed out some of them in my recap. But, like, it's very confusing to me, like if Nissan and Valeria are the same like consciousness or if they're like separate like versions of them like of themselves I didn't I didn't think about that I thought that was super interesting that you brought that up I just interpreted it as like because Hakan had gone to talk to her before and told her what he was up to that's what she knew Um, but like you made a good point that now that Valeria is interacting with Hakan in the Mm -hmm. past she remembers all of that and she can probably parse out like what was Harun and what was Hakan well that's a crazy kind of assumption for the character because like I guess it just is going to make her question whether she's loyal to the other immortals or to Hakan which I mean they're both equally shitty she should just do the Zeynep and say that she's like she's she protects she's loyal to herself agreed Definitely. They have Island wearing black now, but she still looks like a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> or, yeah, or a kindergartner. <laughs> or a kindergartner. We're yeah. actually a kindergartner. Like, wow. She sucks. Well, And she, is she dead now? Yeah. Yeah, she's dead. Her eyes went her, black. Her veins popped out black. Good. Yeah. Thank you, Zainab. That was like the stupidest sequence of events Agreed. in TV history, potentially. I mean, <laughs> like, I get that they have to have the loyal ones fuck up, I guess, but they've established them as like, they, we don't care about them at all. They're barely characters. And then they do the stupidest shit, like against Hakan's <laughs> orders. It, I don't understand. Why would they do that it to them? A, now they're just locked in a cave, a like a bunch of fucking idiots. Also, what is this room that like no one can get out of? Like, like what kind of a, it was like a meat locker. Yeah, I, th- I yes. think I think that's yes. what it is. That's what I was thinking because, like, I think meat lockers. Well, actually, now they have a safety. I think so you don't get stuck in the meat locker, but they have. That'd be good. They yeah. have some sort of lock because it, they need to control the temperature, I guess, um, uh. or something, something like that. 
I guess props people like probably spent the time research like they should have spent researching I don't know time travel researching meat lockers instead (laughs) (laughs) I feel bad for the props people they're just doing their job I mean honestly every time that yeah they they are really like the MVPs of the show just because they they're responsible for everything we see I'm pretty sure and experience I think they write the script too at this point oh 100% Um, all the writers quit a while ago completely in awe of their ability to juggle all these roles (laughs) (laughs) so both Hakan and the loyal ones do like stupid move number 5024 by bringing Zeynep and Island to their lair, which, by the way, we've already done. We did this with the um, with the cistern. We did this with the hammam, and now we're doing this with the weird meat logger loft. Like, haven't we learned our lesson <laughs> about bringing bad guys into our lair? We haven't. <laughs> Just to answer your question. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. That was the whole premise of the show is that people don't grow or learn from their mistakes. Like. I think yeah. that's the basis of the show. The only you think exce- that's the lesson it's trying to teach us. <laughs> the only <laughs> real exception is Hakan fighting. Like somehow he managed <laughs> to outfight the Janissaries, which unbelievable. Really? Unbelievable. The Janissaries sure. were burdened by really large, unwieldy spear like instruments that cannot possibly have been real. <laughs> I was only half watching that chase scene because I was like, oh my god. It looked <laughs> like, really dumb. It was I really dumb. I got up and did things while, you know, the TV was screaming about the chase scene. I was like, no way. It was like um, like TV fighting 101. <laughs> props people got a book about that too. Yeah, <laughs> sure. they, definitely the props people this season were like, we need a promotion. We need a raise. Take the money away from the stunt department. We got this. <laughs> yeah we gotta get the props people on on air for an interview one of these these episodes sammy make it happen oh god (laughs) props people at (laughs) protector.com.tr oh so my my uh i mean this is a little bit previewing my wtf my main wtf was the meat locker so i've already talked about that i'm gonna be quiet later in the episode basically but my other one uh, that I'm going to preview early is uh, this these letters that <laughs> that Shiden can read. So one, I feel like they want us to think she knows the. I think I I got the impression that they want us to think that this is the immortal's like native tongue that she's like now understood. Yeah. But that's absurd because the way she's reading that uh, piece of paper is as if she's decoding a code where like each symbol is a Turkish letter. Yeah. If it were a different language, you would have to read the whole thing and read for meaning, not um, like go literally syllable by syllable. <laughs> I so really think you're asking too much of our child actor here. <laughs> I mean, girl, like look at it and then be like, it says this. And she's like, hoy zedes kiss. <laughs> No, that's not how languages work. But she also was singing about poisonous kisses for like two hours, so she could have just said poisonous kiss instead of like. Yeah, I don't know why that part was a struggle for her to read. 
Like according to that's that's, so that skipping scene, like she already like memorized the whole message, <laughs> which was also a bit adult for like a a child that age. Like I feel like, I mean, it's 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 literal enough that she probably understood it, but it's still kind of too adult for that kid. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the other thing that stood out to me from a a linguistic standpoint was. She used the word akujuk for kiss, which I don't know the history, I don't know the etymology. It, but to me, akujuk just seems like a more modern word. Yeah. Whereas hekim was saying buse, which is like an older word for like an old Turkish music. They won't like they they don't say akujuk, they say buse. Like that's how I know it's kind of like an older, uh, more traditional word for kissing. So he kept calling it the poisonous rather than poisonous upujuk earlier in the episode but then this paper said upujuk and so is she reading for meaning then and she understood it or what the hell's going on here anyway she's a budding cryptologist and uh cryptologist and yeah also also reads partially for meaning i don't know man <laughs> also a child also an eight-year-old child yeah um, also, all she eats is cheese bread. What can we expect from yeah, her? Yeah, her mind is not being fed properly. So, <laughs> the poor girl. That's why she fell down and scraped her knee. Okay, she also, have any nutrients. what in the world? I don't understand that old lady. Like, please. What is going on the with old the old lady. lady? It's so weird. Is that the oracle? It's driving me nuts. I thought when she was skipping around saying poisonous kiss, that the old lady had infused the ability of like, reading every language into her through her scrape knee. Oh. oh, I just thought she was Dabbing. poisoning her. That too, that too. And I was like, yes! Oh, come on. <laughs> Poor child. Sammy hasn't, hasn't been emotionally whole since, um, oh my God, what's her name? Jaylon? Yes, yes. she was killed. <laughs> they give us this stupid kid instead of Jaylon? Give me a break. <laughs> no, she's a smart child. You yourself, you're annoyed when she's why you're annoyed with yourself? <laughs> Poor girl okay, can't they gave win. Us this overly precocious child <laughs> instead of Jaylon. That's what Jaylon was too, except she was older. Yeah, but she had street smarts, you know. She wasn't like she's bread girl. She's she wasn't a tryhard. I think is the key. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! So. Hakon goes to Dr. Phil Zainab, which the whole premise of that is just completely fucking ridiculous. But it's and a trope. He's in there, it's happened like yeah, every yeah. episode. He's yeah. always like, let me just go and tell them about the meaning of life and see if they like change <laughs> their mind. <laughs> and he says like, you were the only one for me, Zainab, even while I was dating. Yeah um nissan and uh layla layla yeah that is so fucked up wait when did he say that i wasn't paying enough attention i guess during their combo he was like you were the only one (laughs) zaynep during their fantasy suite of the meatlock yeah (laughs) and she's handcuffed so that was really but i was glad that it turned out that she both that she was lying and then he realized she was lying because while i was watching that scene i was like come on this is ridiculous and if Hawkeye yeah. had bought I mean, it, I would have been really bad. Yo, I forgot that, like, he realized that he was, tr- you know, she was trying to dupe him. 
And the whole time I was like, oh, he's going to fall for it. Oh, my God, we're going to talk about this at length yep. Yep. <laughs> on the pod. But I'd forgotten that he was actually, like, somewhat sentient in those moments and understood what was going on to some extent. I was super surprised, to be honest. I like, Yeah, I was very surprised that he caught that. <laughs> There's so much faith in it. I liked when he, like, showed her that his shirt wasn't on and he, like, dared her to kill him. That was cool. But... Do we think she didn't kill him because of her feelings for him or because of some plot that she has going on? No, she definitely has a plot and she definitely wanted the key, but she could have also killed the loyal ones. So you think that she could kill him? I also don't know where the dagger is. I feel like no one has a dagger. Well, so Hakan took the dagger from Vizier at the fight club. So he has it in modern day. Okay. Okay, maybe I, I guess I didn't. That's what he that. cut Zainab with. He cut Zainab's arm, yeah. But she didn't bleed though. She did. Didn't no, she? then they show her arm and it's perfect. That's just the props people, Sophia. <laughs> it was red, but they didn't. They couldn't red, spare yeah. the expense to make actual droplets. But I don't think that's meant to be a plot device. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I also can't believe the loyal ones are so stupid. They get duped by. Island, who's like the dumbest of all the characters. That the was show. my last, literally my last straw with these people. Like I really <laughs> wanted to like them. I desperately wanted to like them, and I just I can't with these idiots. And Sammy was my favorite one. That's why I'm so angry. He was your favorite. Not even why? <laughs> he didn't do anything. I don't know. I don't know. The the curly haired guy just always has like, like a dumb face. No. So the the hacker guy always has like a dumb smirk on his face or like a dumb reaction face. He was throwing back those chips though. That was impressive. That was gross. <laughs> like pick pick varied snacks, you know, if you're gonna be like a stressed snacker. Like are you gonna really get Yo, if, or get a big bag and, of chips? Why him individual and size? With like very much vibe on their diets. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <He's right> <laughs> That's why he's, he's a bad hacker. He's in solidarity with Shinin. Yeah. <laughs> no nutrients. Oh my god, that poor child. <laughs> Honestly, like, also, if the child is so precocious, how doesn't she realize that Hakan and Harun are different people? Like, clearly they're different people. Yeah, agreed. Like, that should be very obvious to her. <laughs> he's such an idiot. <laughs> And also, I I keep thinking, I don't know, I don't know, I don't think I know enough about, like, um, Ottoman Turkish to make this comment, but I feel like there's no way that people would hear Hakan speak and assume that he's from that time period. Oh, yeah. Unless it's, like, you know, one of those things where he's, like, able to just because he's in Harun's body and actually everyone's speaking Ottoman Turkish and, you know, it's being conveyed to us as modern day Turkish yeah there's like no way it's like it's like i mean okay it is turkish similar grammar but like the words would be so antiquated compared to the vocabulary used today and obviously writing would be i mean a complete loss he wouldn't be able to read or write so it's yeah that is one of the more absurd one of the i mean of all the absurdities one of the more absurd sides of this yeah well, I guess if he can change his haircut and his clothes, like, automatically, maybe he can change his, like, way of speaking automatically. Yeah. Are we going to take more theories on the old lady's identity, or is our is our guess just the oracle? 
Um, I hadn't really thought about it, but I feel like she's a bad guy for sure. Or she could you be think she's a bad guy. Yeah. Cause like why why is she like lurking around? Why doesn't she, she reveal her identity? She or she could also be like her the kid's grandmother, like on her mom's side. Yeah, I think she's a good guy. I think I mean I'm guessing Oracle because I literally don't know any other female characters that we would have back then. But um, yeah. I mean, if she was maybe she's like a time traveler as well. And like oh. was sent back there in some previous timeline, and she's like a protector from like 1950 or something. <laughs> but that's uh, not likely. What? Where are the other immortals at? What was the name of this guy? Was an N. So it, there's him, and oh, and there's a creepy guy. Oh yeah. Oh, the one, the one who gets killed right away. Yeah, that's yeah, the that's the one with the end. Right His name I can't remember. And then the tall guy who's also in Karapara Ashk. Who's scary. And then yeah, I don't know where they couldn't get him for another season. Yeah, he's pretty uh, working pretty well, so he was probably busy. There's some. There's another one missing. Who is it? Oh, um, the woman, Pidaye. Oh, I totally forgot about her. You're right. I guess she was killed by. Well, no, because that immortals that protectors after fourteen fifty nine. Yeah, I think all of them should be alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't met her yet, but I'm sure she's around because we only met Ria this episode. And also, how come? Like, I feel like she would have been the most like in line with wanting to overthrow Vizier. So, like, it doesn't make sense to me that she didn't want to overthrow Vizier in like before she was killed. Mm-hmm. And, like, now Hikim is, like, the smart one when he was just, like, a random immortal before in the cricket plot. No, I mean, he, he was the one who did all the science. cricket, you know, infecting. Yeah. Yeah. He's the science one. He's always been the science one. <laughs> yeah, but he was, like, much more passive. Yeah, that's true. Like, now he's, like, riling up. Well, they were excited they could get him back. They couldn't get any of the other ones back. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't working. <laughs> Yeah, they were like, we gotta utilize him. Props were like, ah. <laughs> it's a raise for us if we cast the cheapest immortal again. <laughs> we got a salary cap team here. <laughs> I'm really glad that Rhea's back. I, Although I have to say that the the kissing poison thing was so fucking weird and like, her putting it on was like so sexual and yeah. so odd and I didn't get it at all. And why couldn't, she's like a fucking super person. Like why couldn't she just hold him down and pour some poison down his throat? Or Exactly, yeah. Yeah, why, like, and everyone was like, well, it's her duty to have sex with him. Yeah, she's gotta you know. spend the whole night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gotta make it last. Also like when they suspect her, like it's really easy and obvious. To think that the yeah. that she killed him, like how pretty clear cause and effect, <laughs> and they can't do anything to her because she's immortal. So like, just fucking murder him and jump out the window. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they just underestimate her physical prowess, even though she's an immortal. Yeah, and then was the the burning boats that was Faisal? Yeah, yeah, of course. Right? Yeah, because he didn't yeah. want to see so she wouldn't have to spend his girl the night, sleeping the with the Sultan. That's that was cool. I like that that he was like, I mean, we knew he was already like way bought, more bought into 
Javidan than to Immortals shtick, but yeah. But when that was interesting. when did they fall in love? Because I feel like, or maybe it was my assumption that there was a time period that like they weren't together for a while, for like a quite a while. I don't. None of them know other Immortals. I think realize no, but Hawkins like oh. Yet. How Kim like clearly hints at it and like is clearly trying to. Well, he was like up. joking though. He was like making an. He was making a joke, and then when he realized that oh maybe it's not a joke, he got uncomfortable. Yeah. Kind of just like <laughs> laughed. Like yeah. Hustrev's face was like death glare the entire time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't take that shit lightly. So you know what's crazy to me, and maybe this is because they've been the immortals, like except for Faisal, were dead for like all the intervening centuries but isn't it wild that they are literally you know several of them are positioned around the palace in such ways that like it's really it's it, i mean it was like gonna be super easy for them to take out a whole government yeah. a whole empire yeah you know with a pretty simple assassination plot that you know they overcomplicated with the kissing poison <laughs> but um anyway and then to think that Okay, Faisal was a high-profile businessman, but like he wasn't in politics, or he wasn't like somehow closer to taking out like the Turkish. I mean, I guess they only care about Istanbul, but it just feels like they, he should have been doing more than he was <laughs> in the present, um, given their history, and also the point we'd made earlier about like he should be so fucking rich, like so unbelievably rich <laughs> from old money. Literal, literal old money but anyway it's not like the props people have thought back to prior seasons at all yeah I, I think no. you're completely right about that I yeah I, I don't understand how they got so high up and I'm still really upset about the plot hole um about you know this guy being named like Harun being named by the sultan but all of a sudden he has no sultan connections like and in this episode, yep. it's even more jarring because, like, he sees the sultan, like, face-to-face. And A, I think it's a different sultan than what they showed previously. And B, um, <laughs> like, the sultan's like, who's this crazy dude? Like, get him out of here. That was, I mean, I can't even express how frustrated and angry and enraged I am about that moment when Hakan pulls the classic she's an immortal like nobody knows what that means when has that ever like worked this... for you before ever yeah. and now you're yeah. screaming it at the sultan like oh my god right after someone accused him of being nuts he was like no I'm not she's an immortal <laughs> like and yeah, also <laughs> he was clearly already leaving the room so he was fine so we didn't need to do anything the plot yeah. was stopped. Yeah, that's already. exactly that's exactly what I thought. Like, and who who was he referring to as they are immortals? Like the only immortal there was Javidan. And, the, and yeah. I thought that maybe some of the guards were immortals or something, but no, they weren't. Like I that was super frustrating because it was the stupidest. Like it's the most what the fuck moment in the whole episode, I think. I agree. That made me so mad. <laughs> no, what most what the fuck is still the loyal ones yeah, falling true. for everything and then getting stuck in the meat I don't know it's really hard competition I'm not convinced no my my (laughs) jaw was dropped even after even with their track record like when they got stuck in the meat locker I was like what the fuck I just (laughs) that was so yeah I just was like oh my god these people are really stupid like help me 
please. I mean, it would be fine if it was like a comedy show, but like, come on. Like, that's just so fucking dumb. Like, all three of them are getting locked in there. Like, give me a fucking break. I'd rather see them like shot as Zaynab makes her escape than just being like stupid little like toys trapped in a closet. Ugh. Yeah, I. I... I, I don't even know what's going to happen because, like, now he's going to get executed in the past. Or is Hakan dying what's going to fix the world? Is it a Harry? Is it a callback to Harry oh, Potter? Oh, that might be the ultimate lesson. Oh. We shouldn't have even bothered with this show. <laughs> <laughs> he's dead and everything's fine. Everything's that better would be great. because he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somehow I don't think that's the resolution, but I really like that theory. Well, I mean, it would make a lot of sense because he's the one that revived a bunch of immortals. Like, it could be just like yeah. Levant killing um, Faisal, and that's the end of it. It was just Faisal who was alive, right? So yeah. he would just continue well, to be his angsty businessman self, hitting on Layla, and everything would be fine. But then, never leaving the confines of his building. Yeah. <laughs> My question is, like, how did the immortals stay dead for so long like did Faisal just like recently find out the immortality cure or whatever or like the whole like protector blood I think the protector well I think oh no because they killed never mind I was just saying maybe the protectors were keeping a low profile but they weren't because they like killed his yeah. wife I think it's just that there has never know. been a protector who was so incompetent as Hakan is <laughs> And therefore, he never could get their blood before. I mean, Daddy Hakon was pretty dumb, too. Daddy Hakon wasn't like, great. It's clearly a downward curve. <laughs> they're very inbred at this point. Yeah. I mean, they only mate with loyal ones. Yeah. And there's only, like, five loyal ones at any given time. And how stupid like, are the loyal ones, right? Aside from Zaynep. And now he can't mate with Zaynep, so. <laughs> mate? Oh, my God. That sounds so Animal Planet. <laughs> read <laughs> <laughs> well he technically he i uh, know because she's immortal now right like technically she can't have kids is that how that works i, I don't know so. how that works but i don't think i don't think they're gonna be making love anytime soon ew but i could be wrong yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was funny that you said making love that's such a funny like phrase i don't know why <laughs> anyway i just I feel like there's some like there's always a loophole if there needs to be a loophole on the show. So like if there needs to be a loophole in order for Zainab and Hakan to have a child, that loophole will exist. Yeah, like for example, Harun's best friend just knowing a guy everywhere and getting a janissary outfit and getting Hakan on patrol outside the Sultan's door in like five minutes. That kind of loophole. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the same loophole that like allows it for somehow for like Valeria and Shidin to bond at some point. To bond so much that she literally taught her how to read a foreign language. Yeah. That's a lot of like time. Like an alien language. Like can Shidin <laughs> read Turkish? We don't know. But she could read Immortal. Yeah. <laughs> but she used good shoes. <laughs> Should we move on to the history section? I think so. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So today for our history section, 
we are going to be talking about the harem system and the imperial harem of the Ottoman sultans. So the imperial harem, which was also called the seraglio in Western culture, I have no idea why, was basically the wives, servants, female slaves, and eunuchs, female relatives, and the sultan's concubines, who all lived in a separate portion of the palace that was called the harem. It was a very important social part of the Ottoman court, and at different periods, it wielded different amounts of authority. So there was actually a long period from 1533 to 1656 that was known as the Sultanate of Women, because the Valide Sultan, who's the Sultan's mother and the Sultan's concubines slash wives, were um, so important that they were pretty much ruling the realm themselves, which is pretty cool. The most famous woman from the Ottoman Sultanate was, or Ottoman harem, was the um, Roxolana, also known as Huram, who is the subject of the Magnificent Century, which we've talked about before, and Cardi B has tweeted about, so obviously it's very famous. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But she was a very, very important political figure and came from the harem. It's a system that actually makes a lot of sense when you think about how much strife and conflict has been caused in Western monarchies because of not knowing necessarily who the father of the woman's child was or the queen not being able to bear a male heir. So this system kind of took that out of it because they isolated the women so that only the sultan could copulate with them. And <laughs> I don't know why I use that word. <laughs> and... we, we've said breed, we've said mate. <laughs> Population is next. <laughs> um, and so there was absolutely no question of who the father was because only eunuchs were the only males that were allowed in there. And then they also could pick like the best child. So there wasn't really a lot of inbreeding problem because all the concubine women were typically slaves from like far flung areas of the empire. And so Actually, by the end of the Ottoman period, the sultans were like very, very small part Turkish, right? It was like hundreds of a fraction of their genealogy was Turkish. Which also, sorry to interrupt, begs the question as to how Javidan could escape the harem so easily to go and do (laughs) Yes, parents. Yes. (laughs) That's what I was thinking too, because it's such a like on the magnificent century, which is basically... A historical record as far as I'm concerned uh they like they have to go through all these lengths and like even the more privileged women who like I mean no one would necessarily stop them or be that like upset that they were leaving as long as they took protection like protective guards with them would still like go to great lengths to disguise themselves and sneak out at like odd times of the night to not be detected um even if like I said like even if they were of such a stature that they wouldn't be punished so like for her to yeah just like in broad daylight show up in the woods it kind of defeats the whole point of the harem yes it really it really does well said exactly and also they also had the children in there until a certain age they raised the children in the in the harem mm-hmm. yes prepubescent uh, males were allowed uh, mm-hmm. along with uh, castrated males yes <laughs> yep just to prove our our vocabulary and the extensive amount of words we know to say about things. Yes, we have, we have a lot of sex euphemisms. <laughs> we're not just going to come out and say sex. We're not animals. <laughs> we're 
Um, well, one interesting thing that I've obviously known for a long time and did not just acquire from Wikipedia is that the harem is not an Islamic custom. It, it precedes Islam and Muhammad. Polygamy was very much a thing throughout the pre-Islamic Middle East and South Asia, um, as I'm sure it was elsewhere around the globe. So the practice of having men and women occupying separate quarters and then like men picking, you know, someone to, what's another word um, we can use here? Make the beast with two backs. Wow. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, that. (laughs) Each night uh, out of a pot, out of a pool. Yeah, it was a thing. So we can't blame, you know, if, if this bothers anyone who listens to this podcast, this idea of a harem, you can't blame Islam for it. Sorry. <laughs> it but it's it's also a tradition that lived on afterwards. I remember when I was in college, I read a memoir called The Harem Years. And it's about a woman who grew up in Egypt, like obviously in a privileged household. And they had separate quarters and the women weren't allowed to leave the house. Um, and I think there was a revolution or something in her lifetime. And then after like in the latter part of her life she was able to go out and kind of go out into the world and like obviously she talks about how different it was and everything but this is the trad like a tradition that was not only there for royalty and for the royal family um there was like a tradition of of like female seclusion and i think i think it it like also like just looking at the garb from the from the tv show like you can see the women like were kind of veiled and i feel like that's something that we associate a lot with muslim um tradition but i think it was something that was also practiced in a lot of like anatolian and other like yeah cultures previous to islam like even i think in byzantium the women would also cover their faces Even today, Orthodox, um, like Eastern Orthodox yeah. Christians will cover their hair going into a place of worship. So what, it's, it's in the Bible, actually. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> About like, I mean, and also, I don't think that they would be covered in the harem. Like, yeah. just imagining like in, in real life, so to speak, like, I don't think the women who were just, you know, gathering, chatting amongst themselves or in the presence of eunuchs mm-hmm. or, or boys who neither of which they would like necessarily see as the opposite sex um, or, you know, categorized in any kind of sexual way. I think they would be unveiled personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I, also, I think like the whole concept of the harem has been like, it's, it's a source of like great fascination mm-hmm. from like Western eyes. And I think like it plays a lot into a lot of like the orientalist kind of fantasies like if you read you know those texts from like the 1800s or 1900s about the middle east or like yeah i think the middle east because like there were harems also like in india and afghanistan and i think iran even like it's just like i i feel like christian europe was a very like clear-cut um image of like marriage is between two people and like that's what it is but then you look at like the story of like henry the eighth or all these kings like really trying to have a male heir and having a really hard time yeah (laughs) so it it kind of makes sense that they had the system in place and also um going back to what sammy mentioned about 
um, these concubines and, and well, or these, I don't even know what to call them, like these members of the harem and where they were brought from. A lot of them were brought from like Europe and Circassia. And I think um, the history of Circassia is super interesting. It's like in the Caucasus, what I guess you would now call the Caucasus, where like some of the most, like if you read about it, like some of the most beautiful women in the world were from that area. And I think most of the sultans had like that Circassian blood in them. And there's like a lot of history about that because actually like they had, there was also like a Circassian genocide at some point, like in the, I think in the 1900s or like end of the 19th century um, by the Russians because like, of course, that area of the Caucasus is, you know, extremely strategic. So all of the empires wanted to fight over it. But I think like, it's, it's super interesting to learn more about the, the backgrounds of these women. And, and if you talk about like Roxelena Huram, well, she was Ukrainians, yeah. but they're, they're not just there as like decoration. Like they're actually, a lot of them are educated and, and they're like also tasked with, with raising the Sultan and, and even ruling for them if if they're not of age yet. So I think they actually have like a lot more agency than you would assume from a Western perspective. And yeah, like it goes back to Sammy's point about the Sultanate of Women too, how the the equivalent of the Queen Mothers, the Vaidida Sultan women, plus the, I mean, Huram invented a title for herself, Haseki Sultan, which I think translates to like imperial consort or something like something along those lines like and then subsequent kind of main wives like primary wives that took on this primary concubines took on this title but I mean she came up with that and she was like I want this title and I want this power like you were saying Sophia yeah it's very um, interesting and I think um at least what I can remember from our Ottoman history class the Valide Sultan the queen mothers were responsible for an unbelievable number of assassinations. Yeah. <laughs> so. The system, the, I mean, the, the harem system is super brutal, yeah. like the, the, in terms of like the line of succession, just cause like, you know, all the siblings, it's not like the firstborn son has a right to the throne. It's, it's a free for all um, as soon as, yeah, as soon as the, the reigning Sultan died, so the thing was that the best, I mean, the, the, the primary son who I think the, the now dead Sultan wanted to replace him, he would position, I forget where, there's like, they, they would position all the, the, the male children at forts around the empire and the primary, like the favorite was closer, closest geographically to Istanbul. So he could ride like within a day uh, on horseback to Istanbul, so it must have been like Edirne or I forget where it was. But anyway, yeah. yeah, so like close enough to be in the capital within a day and claim the throne. Uh, and as soon as he did that, he would have to uh, massacre all his siblings yeah. and their kids and and wives and everyone. And that's just how it was. But on the flip side, the the reason that I think the Ottoman Empire was more was so successful while Europe was still a little bit in the dark age, a little bit coming out of um, their funk, so to speak, <laughs> from from uh, religion and whatnot in the er- in the earlier days, I guess, of of the modern era, is that the marriages in Europe there were titles on both sides, like the women represented a certain lineage and family and you know interests, 
and the men obviously also same way so there was a lot more politicking in getting you know in getting a male heir out of the marriage because even to have the marriage happen it had to you know the title and everything had to make sense and dowries and everything else whereas with this with the harem system you have these women who are you know kind of involuntarily there I mean entirely involuntarily there I think and they can make and they were able to make power for themselves despite kind of being trapped in this environment um but to, to start out with to procreate with the sultan they don't have any kind of outside interests and the sultan is only loyal to uh his own title and his own lineage so it's not you're you're keeping a lot of external influences out of the of the line of succession i guess to some extent but the flip side of that again that i already described is that uh the line of succession is a bloodbath <laughs> yeah anyway, and, and for different reasons i think they called yeah. it something uh, the golden cage or something didn't they because like all yeah. the yeah. all the children are then sent to these forts from like a very young age and they can't leave because like if they can then they'll go and kill their siblings who live in the other surrounding forts or even their father in some cases right so yeah it was it was pretty brutal but i think I just think like the term harem has taken like such an orientalist connotation and people in like the west have such a specific view of what it's like so I think it's super interesting when you kind of learn about it and kind of learn about all this political intrigue and all these interesting like politics going on and and of course um, as people love there's always like drama and of course like drama between power struggles between women will always be kind of entertainment for the world unfortunately um or i guess i don't even know if it's well whatever it is and i think that's interesting about the whole huram story like how she was i mean i don't know yeah i guess super evil and like all the stuff she did and all the people she killed to um ensure like her line and her line continued so I just think it's it's like an interesting institution like I don't I wouldn't necessarily say it's like either positive or negative but from the sultan's point of view I think there were definitely some advantages versus like the traditional European like one wife system because obviously like I I I feel like in every story the king always has like concubines they're not official but like he has them they can't be the heir but he has them so like I feel like this takes advantage of that, like allows him to have other women. Of course, the other, the women can't obviously be with anyone else, but like it ensures him, his lineage and ensures that he'll have children and it just makes his life, I guess, it takes the problem of succession like out of the stress of being a king or like a sultan. Yeah, I think it's it's a super interesting institution, and I like what you said, Sophia, about how it's been very, like, sensationalized from a Western perspective, but, like, I don't think that Western monarchies had any less crazy of, like, political institutions or social institutions, and I think it's interesting because you don't have the ability to make allies in the same way that Western monarchies did by marrying across, like, countries and stuff like that, but you take away the paternity question, which I can't remember where I read it, but it's like pretty much the foundation of almost all Western literature is like based on the anxiety that your son is not actually your son. So I think it's 
really interesting to delve into. It's also kind of weird because I feel like, um, of course, I mean, obviously in, in European succession and if you go back to like why Queen Victoria was queen is actually because like the previous ruler couldn't have a, an heir and stuff. Um, and you read about all these different like kings and stuff who didn't have any descendants. But if, if you like, it seems like no one was infertile in Ottoman like history somehow <laughs> slash they also weren't inbred which I think is also a very important part of what allowed them to not be so infertile yeah mm-hmm. definitely should we move on yeah, yeah for, for not really having resources that was a pretty good history <laughs> pretty section. good discussion guys very impressive yeah. So now we're going to move on into our final and favorite section, which is what the fuck. I know we've discussed some of these earlier in the episode, but I think that they all bear repeating. So uh, <laughs> let's just go ahead with that. My first what the fuck is listen to the fucking Oracle. It's the Oracle. You know, it's the yes. Oracle. Just listen yes. to what she says. It's not that hard. Amen. Second was when Zeynep was in the meat locker cell and she stood up, she had dirt all over her ass and it was hilarious. Yes. yes. Like, just brush that off, guys. It's just too stupid. I did notice that. <laughs> I oh, the props, people. I know. That was so Those funny. Goons. What the fuck, Vizier's shirt? I've said this before. I'm not sure that the shirt actually changed in between episodes, but if it did, I just want to note it again. Like, what the fuck is she wearing? It did. It did, and I did write in my notes, like, more lingerie for Nissan slash Vizier. Yeah, it's literally just mesh. Like, I think there's, like, something on the top. It's pretty, but she's just wearing lingerie. (laughs) So weird. What the fuck greatest doctor in the empire for literally like smoothing some goo and then like tying a cloth around it like he didn't even wrap it he just like tied the cloth it was so like an ace bandage it was so bizarre also what the fuck at uh uh, valeria slash vizier for taking literally 10 hours to find the the bottle when he was like grab that green bottle over there (laughs) and it took her like so long maybe there were a lot of bottles we don't know but he like okay you don't say like that green bottle over there unless it's like right over there (laughs) so again what the fuck (laughs) oh this is a little bit more complicated but like all of these people are really bored right they're living in a loft slash meat locker they can't go outside it's 2019 I'm sure they're watching Game of Thrones. Like, there's no question in my mind that they're watching Game of Thrones. We all know that Jamie Lannister escaped his cell by strangling his cousin, and then everyone opened the door, goes in, and then boom, he escapes. Like, they would know this. Don't put Island in there. I forgot that. I forgot that too. <laughs> you think okay sammy do you really think that if me and sophia forgot it that those idiots were... <laughs> i think they're literally having a game of thrones binge as they're sitting there waiting for hakan to wake up like there's nothing else to do yo the last season man so so disappointing. Mm. such a disappointment um, at least the protector of the last season was fantastic and perfect ah! 
<laughs> Wonderful. Um, sure. And then I just want to say what the fuck again to Hakan screaming at the Sultan nonsense, complete nonsense, after the Sultan was already. <sighs> Don't even. It I, makes me so angry. I think Sophia's sigh says it all. That's literally all that needs to be said about that. There's not even a cat on her face right now. She's <laughs> really so exasperated. Oh my god, that made me so angry. I, I can't. There were so many stupid things this episode. I don't even... I just want to say what the fuck the whole episode. Give me some specifics. Okay. So the, the, the like, real talk between Zeynep and Hakan. And, of yeah, course, Hakan yeah. believing he's Dr. Phil, as you mentioned previously. Yeah. Upsets me terribly. Um, <laughs> islands, like, I was, like... When I was watching, I literally wrote in my notes, like, this crying is too much. Like, what the fuck is wrong with her? Like, and then obviously it was fake, but I was like, ugh, I can't. And then how did Faisal just, like, escaped when they, when they captured the Oracle? Like, he's there. He's an immortal. Yeah, he can fight. Notice. He just, like, leaves. I think maybe he went chasing after the Oracle. I don't know what happened there. It's bizarre, but he manages to save himself. Which is not surprising because he's one of the most selfish characters on the show. Yeah. So also, what the fuck, all the teenage concubines <laughs> next to Ruya? That was what the fuck. Yeah. Also, what the fuck? They haven't told us about the old lady, and I really want to know what her deal is. Like, yeah. I don't think it's conducive to a show when you have this person appear for two episodes, and then we don't like you're not telling us anything about them, like. It's not intriguing me. It's just making me annoyed because it seems like you're going to make this a huge storyline, but you're building up for two episodes without giving me really any new information or anything. What the fuck? The, like, the child deciphering that thing? Like, I, it's like, I feel like it's yeah. a child narrating Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, it's really unnecessary. <laughs> oh my God, they should have had Shirin's voice when Ruya was like stroking her neck. Ew. <laughs> Yeah, they, they were. I mean, my. No. I definitely have a what the fuck with regards to the poison and everything, and all of that storyline. They're just really trying to make it very sexual, and it wasn't necessary. Like, yeah, she's the concubine. That doesn't mean that everything. The whole, the whole night, you know what that means? <laughs> Population <laughs> mating. It means fantasy Birds suite. And the bees. Just to go to yeah, your, to your bachelorhood. Um, references. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just, let me just tell you you watch all the shows that I would watch if I lived in the US but obviously I don't so I can't watch them so I don't but <laughs> when I did I did watch The Bachelor and it was I, 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 I got into it two seasons ago and I, I feel like I'm a less quality of a person but <laughs> I don't care it's amazing <laughs> it's really entertaining um, for sure I do enjoy reading Bachelor gossip as well because they're really messy yeah, reality Steve, baby. Plug for reality Steve. He's gonna be on the pod next episode. That's a lie. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think that's the extent of the what the fucks that I can think of now. Although I have, I probably have like a thousand more, including like Hawkon taking Sammy with him on a mission because we've established that he's a terrible yeah. fighter and he's useless. He's the worst. <laughs> so yeah, what else? Well, also, what the fuck, Hakan being stuck in the past? Like, I don't know how he's going to get out of this. Like, obviously, it's going to be dumb, but yeah. how? I mean, my just to piggy off of that, 
what the fuck that we haven't said directly, so I'll I'll be the one to say it is like why doesn't Hakon go on his little time travel naps somewhere a little bit more protected? Yeah, like he's just like in the next room <laughs> on a couch. <laughs> yeah, with that damn key. I mean, he should have been in the fucking beat locker with like yes, that pounds of chain wrapped around it. Yes. <laughs> Oh man, but I I echo completely the what the fucks that have been shared about the whole meat locker debacle, <laughs> the um, Janissary screaming debacle, <laughs> the, the the she didn't like knowing all languages debacle, not debacle a miracle, let's say. <laughs> um, and then yeah, the, you're absolutely right, both of you, that the old woman is is like extremely important, but. <laughs> yeah, we just don't have any sense of the importance at this point. There's just a lot of like weird, like awkward cameos that you forget about almost right away because they're so not dwelled on. <laughs> yep. All right. Awesome. Well, next episode, we will be talking about season four, episode four, and I guess finding out whether uh, Hakon being executed solves everything. Um, we dedicate this episode to making the beast with two backs. And um, <laughs> also to Island, uh, we hope that you start your fashion blog in the afterlife and that no one reads it. Thank you all so much That's for listening. Bad. And we look forward to discussing our next episode.